Hello and welcome to the Jim Baker Family Show. Coming to you from the village of Morningside, USA, snuggled in the beautiful Ozark Mountains. Today, our special guests are Israeli Bible scholar and owner of Lipkin Tours, Aaron Lipkin, and the founders of Gilbert House TV, Sharon and Derek Gilbert. Our co-hosts today are Mondo De La Vega, and I'm Ricky Baker, and now, live from Gray Street at Morningside, USA, here are your hosts and my parents, Pastors Jim and Lori Baker. Thank you, Ricky Baker, and welcome yes. everyone to Hi Gray there. Street. We're so glad to have you here. We are. We have a great show lined up for you, and uh, I, I wanted to start out with a little bit of news today. I, want, I wanted to ask uh, Mondo yes. about the Sound of Freedom there's good news about it. And, Absolutely. And it's one of the things that we care so much about is the children of the world. Yeah. Listen, it is breaking records worldwide, over right. $100 million already today, plus more. Yes. It's beating some of the best movies with some of the most notable actors in the world, yet this movie is impacting the world. Listen, this is a message Thanks. to every Christian Every person that loves children, you must watch this. And after watching it, you got to get involved. Otherwise, the work goes undone. This movie sends a message. Now, we have to understand this movie, the rights to this movie, Disney owned. Yet, Sound of Freedom producers and creators had to raise money and buy the project back. But Disney said, hey, if you're going to do that, we're going to block you from distribution and you're going to have to do this on your own well guess what the christians showed up i talked to a man last night that was one of the key players to be able to sound the alarm and be able to get everyone in the church to buy out movie theaters and over a hundred million dollars already uh is making an impact of course in hollywood and as you know hollywood is in trouble right now ai is disrupting hollywood the pay rate is affecting Hollywood. Everything that Hollywood has produced right now is standing still. Yet, Christian movies are flourishing. Christian projects are flourishing. And that's because of you. Amen. That's right. Aaron, are you aware of the film? Yes, I've, I've heard the about it. The story behind it. I've heard about it. Yes, uh, it talks about the child trafficking. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Rescuing these kids from that situation. Mm -hmm. Aren't you involved with a ministry that does something similar? Absolutely. You know, our ministry got involved with uh, Pastor Troy Brewer. Yes. And we were able to raise several thousand dollars to be able to make a difference. But this is the kind of work that Pastor Troy Brewer, he's going to be here on the yes. program to give us an update. Oh. But I'm telling you, being there in person, it does it does more than shock you. It opens your eyes to understand that more than ever, we have to stand up for the children. We have to get involved. It's not just more talking anymore. It's getting involved in our ministry. No matter what we're going through, this ministry does everything we can to be able to raise money and awareness to projects like yeah. Troy Brewer. Yeah. No, we look forward to meeting Troy. Absolutely. We love him. Derek and Sharon, I was just asking you, President. Does it not shock you that America is the number one user of child porn? Yes, actually, it really does. It is because shocking. we stand for freedom. And freedom implies that the children have the freedom to grow up in a safe environment. And yet so many children in this world don't. 
And this is something that we've been uh, studying for some time. In fact, as you know, Skywatch Films released a documentary about this a couple of years ago called right. Silent Cry. Yeah. And documented how <sighs> some stories that would be dismissed by the corporate media as conspiracy theory actually turned out to be true. About two <laughs> years ago, the FBI released a number of files connected with the kind of uh, investigations and groups with sketchy connections to the intelligence community, let's mm. say, mm. but documented by the FBI, mm. were actually involved in this trafficking. So it is disturbing, uh. but it happens at very high levels. And I know the corporate media wants us to think this is all just some crazy conspiracy theory. Don't see this movie. It's all made up. No, it's actually true. It's been documented by the FBI. The mm. files are available on the Internet for anyone who cares to look. And uh, it is, sadly, just a reflection of the spirit of the age. There is a very ancient spirit, Jonathan Kahn wrote about this in his book, Return of the Gods, That's right. the Enchantress, or Inanna, the ancient spirit of carnality yes. and violence. And it is influencing the world to this day. Why do you think politicians in America really want to come against this movie? I think there's a perception that the only people who are really reacting and responding to this movie are uh, Trump supporters. <laughs> and I, th I think that's that's uh, it's reprehensible mm -hmm. that this movie is being politicized. Yeah, yeah. because Absolutely. children should not be politicized. No, I mean, Aaron, you're a father. You've got five children. Mm -hmm. We have a daughter. We know that you for family is so important to the Baker yeah. family. Yeah, this is not a political issue. This is not left mm -hmm. and right. This is right and wrong. That's right. Well, exactly. And I would say that Jim, you and Lori rescued children. Yes, absolutely. You have brought in so many children, Ricky being one of them, and you've changed those lives. You might have been trafficked. That's right, absolutely. You know, we also face a world where it's not just the movie that they're coming after. We have California assembly committees blocking bills that would make child trafficking a serious felony. Now tell me where the state of our country is where people actually take the rationale out of law and say, you know what, child trafficking, not a serious felony anymore. Mm. Mm. You know, it is it is awful. We've it's we've spoken to a woman who we've become friends with whose whose ministry is called Million Kids because that's roughly the number of children in America being trafficked at any given moment. And it's not always a uh, a kidnapping situation. It's often through social media, mm -hmm. through right. messaging apps where yes. children whose brains are not fully developed yeah. yet even though they're right. dealing with full-sized hormones, you know, yeah. adult hormones right. are lured into doing things either on the internet or lured into going to meeting somebody. They think it's a 14-year-old boy who's the yeah. love of their life, and it right. turns out to be a 35-year-old man who kidnaps him and takes him away. It's, right. it, it is a scourge on our society. There are it is a scourge on our society. There, really there, is, are apps, there are apps now that give you 15-second videos, and children are becoming addicted to this constant stream of nonsense. And they watch these things, and they get addicted, yeah. and they get groomed. Right. They get groomed. Groomed. That's the. Thing. That's the word. Right. That it, there it is. We want to introduce Aaron Lipkin to you. He is an Israeli Bible scholar, who specializes in biblical archaeology of Israel. Mm -hmm. yes. So we're so glad to have Thank you, you here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor today. to have Thank you. you. He's also a filmmaker and a liaison between pastors and rabbis. Mm. Isn't that good? Mm. Yes. Aaron Love is that. a Joshua's altar activist and was involved in the finding of the Mount uh, Ebal inscription, the oldest Hebrew text dating to the year 3300 B.C. Wow. Is that right? Yes. It's we'll amazing. 1300 B.C. Yeah. 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 And uh, Derek and 
Sharon are back with us today. The we, Gilberts are researchers, teachers, authors, TV and podcast host, <laughs> uh, and they both work closely with Dr. Tom Horn and are part of the Skywatch TV and Defender and Publishing team. Mm-hmm. Derek and Sharon uh, co-host uh-huh. Unraveling Revelation, mm-hmm. which can be seen on the PTL Voice of the Prophets it Network on Saturdays at 12.30 a.m. Eastern Time and Sundays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Times. All of their programs are on their new app in Roku channel, GHTV. Oh, thank you for mentioning that app. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we believe in apps. You know, we have a PTL app. I wish everybody had the PTL app because the apps are so great. You can just be on your phone Mm -hmm. and Push in a button or two. That's right. and oh, exactly. You got the show live. <laughs> well, and the and, great thing is you won't be canceled from your own app. And, that's that's right. right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build a new network that is government proof, cancel proof from all all means, because so much is being canceled. There's cancel mm-hmm. today. The, you know, cancel culture is what oh, we yeah. call today. Yeah. But we're we're all believing God that. God wants us to be on television, and we, we're, we're trying to stay on television he and truly go forward. Does. He truly does. I've got to ask Aaron a question, because you've got the inside track. Your dad had a political party going for a while, so you follow politics. Is Netanyahu being canceled? Uh, unfortunately, not just Netanyahu. The whole, um, I, I want to say right wing, but the whole... Uh, Population in Israel that believes in the Bible, that which believes, is most of them, <laughs> exactly that believes in, in biblical values, that believes in, in conservative values, is being canceled by the progressive side in Israel. And this is actually what we're seeing now. We're seeing um, how the progressive elites in Israel are trying to fight the majority decision that was made in the last elections, mm-hmm. and uh, they're trying to do whatever they can to to cancel the elections and, uh, and have. Netanyahu basically thrown out of the political system. Aaron, a few days ago, the Knesset in Israel passed the first part of Prime Minister Netanyahu's judicial reform, the reasonable in this bill. Is that my right? Reasonableness. Is that how you Reasonableness. (laughs) And uh, let's watch this and then we'll talk about it. Let me roll this. The opposition maintains this judicial reform proposal will weaken the Supreme Court and open a path to dictatorship. Israeli author Yuval Noah Harari lays out this scenario. With the Supreme Court neutralized, the government could easily rig the elections. Yet supporters of the legislation say it reigns in a runaway Supreme Court. I came here to support democracy. Democracy means the the rule of the government elected by the people and agreed by the people, and not a regime in which the Supreme Court takes rights that it doesn't have. Ohad Tal, a member of the coalition, tells CBN News he believes the legislation actually strengthens democracy by rebalancing Israel's government. Of course you have to have a strong court. No one doubts that. But the question is, who's going to make the policies of the country? Is it going to be a small group of people, or is it going to be the people 
by their uh, representatives. Tail says many opposition members quietly favor this judicial reform, and their past actions prove it. I know what people are saying in, this, in the closed rooms. From the opposition, many people are agreeing with the fact that we need to have these reforms, and you don't have to trust me about that. You just have to read the bills that many of the opposition members of today uh, put on the table only in the, in the last few years, which uh, proves that they supporting exactly what we're trying to promote today. The protest began more than seven months ago, but some believe the goals are more than just legislation on judicial reform. Israel's public diplomacy minister tweeted that former Prime Minister Ehud Barak, a major protest leader, aims to overthrow the government. Earlier this year, Barak cited research examining protests for the last 100 years and how they succeeded. They found a common denominator. All these uh, protests which succeeded, where they reached a level of 3.5% of the population, tenaciously and persistently keeping the protests, boycotts, uh, civil disobedience and so on, at the end the government either fall or capitulate. Aaron, from your perspective, would you explain what this judicial reform means for Israel? Yeah. First of all, I want to say that uh, uh, the, the fact that this is a, an interesting topic for, um, for non-Jews who live so far away from Israel, but, but strongly care and love Israel and the Jewish people yeah. is, is very comforting for me. Mm. It, it, we're not alone. We have brothers and sisters outside of Israel that yes. care about Israel and want Israel to survive and, and be successful. Yes. And I want to thank you all for that. Um, the judicial reform is, is really, like was said, an attempt to bring back the right balance between the branches of government in Israel, the judicial, the executive, and the, the, the um, um, legislative. legislative. Yeah. Uh, and what happened about 30 years ago was that balance uh, was, was, was uh, fixed in a way that basically democracy lost its power. And we had 12 judges that really made the decisions, 12, 12 judges that were not elected. And apparently these judges also have a progressive agenda. So every time that the parliament, the Israeli parliament elected by the people of Israel wanted to pass bills, wanted to pass important uh, legislation about critical issues, issues of value, um, things concerning the Jewish, uh, the value, the, the character of the Jewish nation state, um, they were always overruled by the Israeli judiciary branch. And so, you know, we have a saying in Israel, you vote right, you get left. Yeah. Uh, and and, and yeah. seriously, the, the, the people of Israel, the majority of the people, of the Jewish people, are sick and tired of this continuing. Mm -hmm. so, so really the judicial reform that Netanyahu is trying to do uh, was one of the main uh, topics on the last elections. People voted for Netanyahu for this to pass. And what we're seeing now in Israel is, is that we won the elections, we want this reform to go forward, and you have all the elites in Israel that belong to the progressive side, the tycoons, the academic world, the media, the arts, uh, and they're all f doing whatever they can to fight against the government and against the implementation of what we voted for. Mm. And, uh, you know, this, this really reminds us of what's happening in the United States and what's happening yeah. in many Western countries. There, is a, there are two camps. 
Uh, one camp is the, the, the conservative camp, the camp that believes in biblical values, that believes in family, that believes in God. And on the other side, you have a godless camp mm. that, doesn't, that doesn't believe in God, believes in, in crazy progressive ideas, doesn't, doesn't believe in family, believes in cal- can- cancel culture, uh, you know, and, 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 and all, the, all the things that we see. And we have the same thing in Israel. But again, I have to say that, that I don't believe that this will come to a, a, a really bad scenario in Israel where we're going to have a, a civil war. Uh, you know, just the other day, we, we had two demonstrations, one in Tel Aviv and one in Jerusalem. And you saw the escalators at the Jerusalem train station and up are going the, the progressive side and down are going the, the conservative side. And they're all holding Israeli flags. <laughs> and they're all, being, all giving hands to each other as they go up and down. So, so we, we, we have the sense of, of Jewish, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people were united. And we have this disagreement about the values. And, uh, and, but, and again, I think this is part of the, the, the very important change that Israel is going through because the, Israel was founded by Jewish Zionists who wanted to create a safe haven for the Jewish people. You know, we just came out of a Holocaust in Europe, six million Jews died. And we wanted a safe place where we could stay and control our own destiny. Um, and that's what's been going on for more than 70 years. Mm. But now there's a new stage coming out from Zionism of survival to the Zionism of destiny. Yes. Because the Jewish people have a destiny. Absolutely. And we need to be a light to the nations. We need to build a temple in Jerusalem, a place, like Isaiah says, a place of, of prayer for all the nations. And this can only be done by people who believe in God, who believe in the destiny that God has set forth for the Jewish people. Yeah. Wow. So wow. this is this is really yeah. the, the big picture. Yeah. Thank you. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this special message. I want to thank you for watching the Jim Baker Show today. We want to encourage you to stand with us. If you want to support a message of the last days, we bring great men and women of God, the prophets of God, to this program every day. We need to stay on the air till Jesus comes. I need your support today. That monthly giving will keep us on the air. Times are tough, but God's people can make anything happen. With God in in unity, we can bring miracles to pass. A dollar a day, many are joining that club right now. We also have the Jubilee Club at $50 a month. And then we have my club, the President's Club, at $100 a month. I need your support. Pray about becoming a monthly partner. We are totally in the last days, but we must keep the message of the gospel going forth. We need your support. And I pray that if you have the ability today to give a one-time gift to keep the devil away and to meet our budget this month. We need help desperately. I'm going to personally, for my Social Security, I'm going to give a $1,000 gift today to the ministry. And I hope someone will join with me and give that one-time gift as well. But these monthlies will keep us going till Jesus comes if you'll just do that. So 
Call me right now, 1-888-988-1588. Remember that God loves you. He really does. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. And now, let's get back to the show. Why is progressive always backwards? <laughs> You're right. Exactly it's regressive. Right. It is regressive. It is a return to the old pagan values of the pre well, I'd say pre-Christian, but also pre-Jewish. And that's pre-Jewish in Israel world. and in the United States. Yeah, yes. it's everywhere. It's all across the world now. There's, yeah, and these values that we were talking about, coming, going back to the idea of the uh, behind the film, uh, you know, Sound of Freedom, is, is that the, these are the things that were done by the pagans around ancient Israel when God brought Moses and Joshua and the Israelites to the land. Mm-hmm. said, okay, here are the things that you are not supposed to do because this is what the Amorites who are in the land are doing, and this is why I am pushing them out of the way. I'm vomiting them out of the land because they do these horrific things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are chapters in the book of Leviticus that you don't read to your children before a certain age because <laughs> <laughs> these are the practices, the pay, but that's what we're going back to. We're now being told that the, oh, these are progressive values. Children know whether they're a boy or a girl by the age of three. three. Uh, right. And, and we're, we're seeing the rebranding of pedophiles as minor attracted persons. Uh-uh. Uh, again, this is the kind of thing that was going on in the land before Moses and the Israelites arrived. When Moses came down from Sinai with those tablets mm-hmm. in 1446 BC, mm-hmm. that was progressive. That was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. That changed the world and set the foundation for Western civilization, mm-hmm. which is why the enemy, the principalities, powers, the cosmic rulers over this present darkness are spending so much mm-hmm. energy right. to try to tear it down. Yeah, there is a war going on in the world a spiritual war, and God is moving. He's moving in Israel. He's moving in the rest of the world. And, of course, the enemy doesn't want that. Yeah. And it's pushing especially back against the Jewish people. That's right. been going on for a long time. Because yeah. the ultimate prize in this war is the Mount of Assembly, yes. or the Mount of the Congregation. We see that phrase in Isaiah chapter 14, where the rebel from Eden is kicked out because he wanted to establish his Mount of Assembly in the far reaches of the north, God's Mount of Assembly is the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the Har mm-hmm. Moed. That's the phrase from which John the Revelator got the word Armageddon. It's all about that 35 acres right there in the heart of Jerusalem. Mm. Aaron, you are known for being an Israel Bible scholar oh, and archaeologist. What led you to study the Bible so deeply and then get involved with archaeology? Well, I would say two things. One is my up upbringing. Um, my parents, Avi Lipkin and Rachel Lipkin, um, you know, came from, my father came from the United States. My mom came from Cairo, Egypt. They're both Jews. And I grew up in a, in a Bible-believing home. It was very important for my, my parents to, for me to be educated uh, on the Bible, the biblical stories. And I remember as a kid reading the Bible and, and you know, had an animated series uh, for children of the Bible. And when I read them, I really identified with the story. For me, the story was a historical story. It's a story that really happened. Uh, When Abraham has Isaac on the altar, I was standing there with Abraham seeing that. And and when Ezekiel (laughs) has these, you know, angelic revelations, I I really believe I was standing there with Ezekiel. It was part (laughs) of my legacy, part of my history. Uh, And and so that's that's the first reason why I love the Bible. It's part of me. It's an integral part of my identity. But I think that the second thing that, that really makes me zealous for the Bible 
is my experiences in the Israeli educational system. Uh, you know, in the public schools in Israel, Bible is being taught. The problem is that when you go to a secular school, a Jewish secular school in Israel, um, what the teachers are telling you is that the Bible is a fairy tale. Oh. That the stories there never happened. I remember as a, as a kid going and a young, youngster going into my Bible class in a secular school in Jerusalem. And my teacher is standing there and saying that, that at the Exodus never happened. That Moses and Joshua never existed. Wow. And so, you know, as a, as a kid, I was so angry about it. So <laughs> the, the, one of the main reasons why I'm so zealous for the Bible is because I have an agenda against my Bible teacher. <laughs> I, I want, I want, I, I want to, to empower Bible believers to stand up for people like that and say, yes, the Bible is true. The yeah. Bible really happened. And there's more than enough archaeological evidence to prove that for people who are non-believers. You know, for us as, as Bible believers, we don't need proof. You know, we believe in God, we believe in the Bible no matter what. That's right. But for, for people who are atheists and are going to school and are being, are being told that there's no evidence for the biblical stories, when you come to, to a child like that and you're saying to him, we're sorry, but there is evidence. Mm -hmm. And uh, here's an example, Joshua's altar and Mount Ibal. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that could really change the picture, could change the situation. And the more time passes, the more... Uh, we have archaeological evidence for the biblical stories that happened in, in the land of Israel. Yeah, I noticed that there are some pictures there. There's Joshua's altar, the recreation. How was that discovered? I have to say that one day I'm walking in the streets of Jerusalem, and I see an advertisement for a lecture by a professor of archaeology, Adam Zertal. <laughs> and the, the, the ad said that he was going to speak about his discovery of Joshua's altar. And I said, how is this possible? A, an academic figure, a professor of archaeology who's supposed to say that the Bible never happened, it's not historical, Joshua never existed, Moses never existed. I see this, this ad. A professor of archaeology is going to, to, to discuss his discovery of a, a biblical structure that was built by Joshua. How, how can that happen? It's an oxymoron. So I went to the lecture, and I fell in love with Professor Adam Zertal's teaching. What you saw in front of you is an academic figure that believed that the Bible was a fairy tale, that the Bible was not true, was not historical. And because of his archaeological research, because of his findings, his whole view of the Bible totally changed. And, you know, the, the thing is that he, he didn't go to discover Joshua's altar. He was just doing an archaeological survey of Samaria. And during that archaeological survey, he finds so many important archaeological findings that prove the, the, the period of the conquest of Joshua, that prove that Joshua indeed, indeed existed and built the altar on Mount And Ibarra. that involved you in the quest to find Joshua's altar. So mm -hmm. tell, tell us how it began and what drew you that particular search? So I was sitting at, at that lecture of Adam Zertal. This is probably 2006. And Adam Zertal is telling us about his discovery of Joshua's altar in 1982. Uh, he excavated it from 1982 to 1989. And, you know, he, at first, he's, he's not willing to admit 
that that is an Israelite altar. Uh, he's trying to look for parallels in Egypt and Assyria and Babylon, and he can't find anything that looks like this, this weird structure, this uh, structure made out of field stones, uh, like this box of stone that has a ramp going up to it and two secondary ramps on both sides. And one day he sits down and he, 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 he does a sketch of this mysterious structure that he finds on, on Mount Ibal, and a religious Jew comes behind him and sees the sketch, and he says, Professor, is this what you found on Mount Ibal? And he says, yes, I don't know what it is. I looked everywhere, all of the libraries, I don't know what it is. And then he sees this Jew running away and coming back with a book. And he opens the book and he shows Adam Zertal a picture of the second temple altar at, in Jerusalem. And, he, and the, the resemblance <laughs> between the Israelite temple in the time of Jesus, the second temple, and the Israelite temple, the Israelite uh, altar from 1,400 years B.C., before Jesus' time, is amazing. At that point, his life totally crashes <laughs> because he understands that everything he was educated, everything he was brought up on, was not true. And he looks at this Jew and he says, you understand what this means? We found an Israelite altar on Mount Ibal, this has to be Joshua's altar. There's no other option. And if this, if this is Joshua's altar, then Joshua existed. And <laughs> so Moses good. existed. Yeah. And the Exodus happened. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So every, every, time, every time we invited Adams or Tao to speak to our groups, um, tour groups, we would present him, I would present him as the born-again archaeologist. Derek <laughs> <laughs> and Sharon, you've been there, right? We've yes. been there, and I'll tell you, it's really, really close to ancient Shechem. Today it's called Nablus. Now, is it a coincidence that Nablus is such a, a sort of a, a hotbed bed, hot bed of activity right now? And I don't think that's coincidental. In fact, don't they go up there and try to pull down some of the wall? Well, th there is a big there's a, there's a battle in Israel uh, between people who believe in the Bible, believe in the connection of the Jewish people to the land of Israel mm -hmm. versus uh, Muslims and atheists that are trying to break that connection. They're trying to, to say that the Bible, again, is a fairy tale, is not real. <laughs> and, uh, and so, unfortunately, the, the site of the altar was, is constantly being damaged by Muslim vandalism. And, uh, and thank God the Israeli government mm -hmm. just a week ago passed a bill uh, giving 100, allocating 120 million shekels to protect all the heritage sites in Judea and Samaria, oh. including oh. Joshua's altar. So, oh, thank so this you. is, you know, thank God. The Israeli government is stepping up to preserve these biblical sites that are not just important for the Jewish people, they're important also for Christians. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because we, we were there in 2019. Yeah, it's, it's well off the beaten track. You can't get a tour bus right up to the site. You have to stop. You have to walk down a very steep hill. It's about a mile and a half trek to get to and the site. And you have to get military permission. And to you go do up have to there. get a, an escort because it's so close to Nablus. But uh, when you get there and you see that you can come right up, unlike in America, where we've got an archaeological site, you know, it's roped off, it's behind chains, you can't get near right. it. There, we were actually able to go up on top of the altar, the reconstructed altar, and we were able to stand right there and read from the book the Declaration of Joshua. Mm -hmm. 
Choose this day who you will serve, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As for me and my house and the whole group at once, we will serve the Lord. To be able to say that right you, there. Was that was a great moment in your life? Yes, it, it was. was incredible. It, it was. was so it's powerful. And we will be going back there, won't yes. we? Yes, in March of 2020, 2024. 24, and then again in 2025, yes. we're going yeah. back with Aaron Lipkin's tour company. As long as we're healthy enough to do it, well, as long as he'll tolerate the us. <laughs> the Bible is real. Yes. 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 The stones, Jesus Every said, the stones will cry more out. and more what yes. the reality of the Bible. Yes. And, and the importance of, of, of Joshua's altar and that site is that that is the place of the, the most important ceremony that was done in the Bible. In Deuteronomy 27 and Joshua 8, we see how the whole nation of Israel convenes on Mount Gerizim, the mountain of blessing, and Mount Ibal, the mountain of curses. And they are renewing their Sinaitic covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have a list of 12 curses, and the Israelites are saying amen to each of these curses, mm -hmm. saying we will, we will worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We will not be like the Come Amorites. On. Yes, 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 exactly. Wow. Which brings us to that curse tablet. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, boy. 1300 B.C., the lead curse tablet and how it was found. And how Aaron's <laughs> little nighttime excursion helped that uh, to happen. This is a really, this is an Indiana Jones uh, yeah. moment. Um, <laughs> I have to say, you know, one day my, my grandchildren are going to go with their, with their friends from class into the Israel Museum, and they're going to point out at the, at the fortified glass window uh, that has a small lead mm -hmm. tablet behind it and tell their friends, our grandfather found it. Yes. Um, and, and I'm not an archaeologist, but God put me in, in, in this place where I cared so much about the altar of Joshua. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, it, and it hurt my heart so much to see that the site is deteriorating and, and is not being regarded as the important site that it is. And, uh, you know, I, I decided that I had to approach an archaeologist to continue the research of this uh, site. And so I, I met a, a, a Houstonian, a Houstonian archaeologist from Houston, Dr. Scott Stripling. And I approached him, he was excavating in ancient Shiloh. And I told him, Scott, you know, have you ever visited Joshua's altar? And he said, well, I've heard of it, but I've never been there physically. So I told him, you're coming with me. <laughs> and we went to Joshua's altar. And like me, Scott immediately fell in love with this site, he understood the potential that this site has uh, to, to, to proving the historicity of the book of Joshua, the book of Deuteronomy. And he told me, Aaron, uh, because of the political situation, we cannot excavate here. But what we can do is to clear the archaeological dump from the 1980s to a safe location. And Scott said, I will come with my staff and we will analyze the dump from the 1980s. Maybe Adam Zertal, the professor, missed something. And so we went there. I went there three times with, with uh, uh, friends of ours and uh, with the permission of the Israeli army, with the permission of the governor of Samaria. And we relocated the dump from Mount Ibal to a safe location at the town of Shavei Shomron. Scott came with his crew. 
and they started excavating. And, you know, I was praying every day, God, please give us something, give us something, <laughs> anything, a scarab, <laughs> a, a, a ring, anything. <laughs> and after a few days, Scott calls me and he says, Aaron, come over here fast. And I came and uh, as I approached Scott, he opened his hand and inside his hand, I saw this, this small piece of, of metal and I didn't know what it was. And I asked Scott, Scott, what is it? What, what's so important about it? And he said, Aaron, I don't know what it is. We're going to send it for, to be analyzed. But it looks very similar to um, what we usually find in ancient sites. These are cursed tablets. Um, but I don't know if this is a cursed tablet or not. We'll have to send it out. It goes to the Hebrew University in Israel, uh, in Jerusalem. They try to open this lead tablet up, and it starts breaking. So they stop, and they send it to be x-rated in the Czech Republic, and they scan it from the outside and the inside. And scans start coming in and reaching Scott Stripling, and he shares this with uh, several uh, academic figures, Professor Gershon Galil and Dr. Peter Vanderven, and... After a few months, Scott calls me and he says, Aaron, we're finding text engraved on the metal. And this is not Roman, it's not Persian, it's not Greek, it's ancient Hebrew. Wow. Now, wow. I, I, now, why is this important? Now, I, have, I have to tell uh, you, at, yes. at, at, at that moment, my, I, I was all, I had goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's the, the, the dream of every archaeologist to find text. And, and here, why, why is it so important here? It's important because uh, the Israelites wrote on parchments. They wrote on leather. So, you know, if, if, if the Israelites copied the, 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 the Torah, they copied the Bible and moved it on from generation to generation, after a century, two or three centuries, it's, it, it disintegrates. It's gone away with. So the academic world comes up in the 1970s and 80s and says the Israelites were illiterate. They could not read and write because there's no texts anywhere that were left from the time of Moses and Joshua. Um, so there's no way they, they received the, uh, the, the, the Torah on Mount Sinai. There's no way that they could transmit the, the, the traditions on to further generations. Mm -hmm. And so here we find an Israelite text that's dated to the time of Joshua and Moses, mm. according to the metal and the script that's written on it. And this totally disqualifies all the books and all the papers that the academic world wrote against the Bible and oh. against the, the, the biblical traditions. Wow. It was a consensus, wow. the consensus of scholars before this, that uh, there had been no Jewish writings for, for centuries afterward, what, almost to the time after the, the return from Babylon. Right, right. right. I mean... Uh, what, what do we and know? that's like 800 years later, right? Yes. Right. We, we, see, we see the Egyptian temples with hieroglyphs. We see the cuneiform tablets in Assyria and Babylon. But there's nothing coming out of the Israelite civilization. And so here, for the first time, we have a, an Israelite text, a terrible curse in Hebrew, uh, that's written on the tablet inside and outside. But more importantly, the name of God appears on this tablet inside and outside. I'm talking about the, the three-letter name mm -hmm. YHW, wow. 
Jews cannot pronounce the name. We venerate that name so much. We respect it, but we can't say the name. But our listeners know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And we, we just saw it on, on the picture. And I'm sure, I'm sure that people are looking at this and are saying, wait, this is not Hebrew, <laughs> right? This is, we see a man standing with his hands up and these weird, <laughs> with the weird pictures on both sides of this man standing on both sides. But, but what you see here is how the, the Hebrews, the Israelites wrote in the time of Joshua and Moses. Hmm. The Hebrew that we're using today, the script that we're using today, comes from the Second Temple period. There were mm-hmm. several changes, but this is the most ancient form of Hebrew. It's called hieroglyphic Hebrew. And every letter is a picture, but it also represents a letter. And so what you just saw, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is the, the lead tablet that you see now. This is how mm-hmm. the, um, the uh, professors uh, analyzed the script on the lead tablet. The curse says, you're cursed by the god YHW. You shall die cursed. Cursed you will surely die. Cursed you are by the god YHW. And you have to understand, the fact that we have God's name, YHW, written on this tablet connects us immediately, not just to the ceremony of blessings and curses in the Bible. It also connects to Sinai because we read in the Bible, Mm -hmm. God appears to Moses and says, Mm -hmm. I I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. Mm-hmm. But my name, Y-H-W-H, I did not appear to them. In other words, this is a name that starts in Mount Sinai. This right. is the name that appears to Moses. And this is the name that appears on this tablet. So in a sense, the tablet also proves Mount Sinai. This is really, really a, a, an amazing mm. discovery, probably, if I may say humbly, the most important archaeological discovery that was ever made in the land of Israel, it's equivalent to finding the let the, the Ten Commandments, the tablets yeah. of oh, the this, Ten Commandments. This is like a, archaeologically speaking, this is like a thermonuclear bomb. Yeah, this, this, is, this is huge. Changes everything. Yes, yes. So you're getting pushback. Yes, definitely. Well, you know, some, peop- some people say don't confuse us uh, with the facts, right? Uh, and so, so uh, what, what happened was immediately after we, we saw these letters showing up, uh, Scott Stripling decided to do a press conference. And uh, he presented in that press conference the inscription and the lead tablet. And immediately we got pushback from the academic world because they're saying, well, this goes against everything that we've, we've <laughs> taught, you know, that the, the Israelites were literate, that they believed in a God that his name was YHWH, uh, this, is, this is not possible. And uh, because they haven't produced a report, a scientific peer-reviewed report, then we cannot uh, really uh, take it seriously. Well, a month ago, the peer-reviewed scientific report on the inscription came out, and now is when we're starting the debate. This is where uh-huh. the academic world is starting to to dialogue about this. And in a, in a year from now, a second report will be published on the inscription outside of the tablet. There are two inscriptions. And these two articles are going to be very important in our continuous effort to try and, and change what the academic world has been teaching in schools in Israel, in the United States, and all over the world, uh, totally discrediting the Judeo-Christian 
civilization and, and belief and culture in God and the Bible. Uh, and and this, is, this, is, this is a very strong battle that's going on. Uh, it's, it's going on with the judicial reform, but it's mm -hmm. also going on uh, here in, 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 in the academic world about the Bible and the history of the, the Hebrews. Wow. So I think that uh, God is not doing this coincidentally. This is, <laughs> right. this is, this is right. God's providence. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, as I said, I, I couldn't believe that, that we would find such a substantial amazing. archaeological And the Bible finding. talked about in the last days, you know, that knowledge would be increased. Yes. Yes. And I believe the knowledge of the Word of God is being increased to give us, you know, confidence in the Word of the living God. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing thing. And everybody needs to know that the Bible's true, yeah. that God's Word is true, and it keeps being, you know, verified more and more and more, not less and less, just more and more. It's more, more be, being uh, verified. Aaron, tell us about the footprints that uh, you have found. Oh. Uh, do the footprint structures appear in the Bible? So that's, that's a very good question. Um, you know, what's interesting is not just the fact that you find an archaeological finding that proves the veracity of the Bible. The next stage is to look at the finding and see how it even enriches our understanding of the scriptures. Uh, and Professor Adam Zertal, when he surveys Samaria in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, he finds a very mysterious uh, foot-shaped enclosure uh, in Samaria and the Jordan Valley, which he doesn't know what it is, but he knows that it's Israelite. He knows that it belongs to the time of Joshua. And what you see is an enclosure that is shaped in the shape of a foot, and um, it's adjacent to a slope that served as a, a, a theater for people to sit down and watch the ceremonies that were going on inside that enclosure. Uh, the enclosure has an outline that could be a procession road where people would walk around. And it also, also has an altar. It has subdivisions inside the foot structure. And so Adam Zertal was, was very curious. He said, you know, if this is such a, a huge structure, this is like three football uh, uh, courts. This is really big. If the Israelites invested so much energy in building these structures, they have to appear in the Bible. So he's, he's opening the Bible. This is interesting. He, he finds something, and then he goes to the Bible to better understand what it is. What and is so he opens the Bible, and he's looking for the worshiping sites of the Israelites at the time of Joshua. And a name comes up, the word Gilgal. <laughs> okay? We, we've all heard of, read the word Gilgal coming up. We see that the Israelites are coming into the land of Israel. Uh, and before conquering Jericho, they're circumcising at Gilgal of Jericho. Uh, they're crowning King Saul at Gilgal. And we always thought that Gilgal was the name of a place near Jericho. Um, but when you look at the Bible closely, you see that Gilgal appears in, in several places, several locations in Israel. And so Adam Zertal said, this has to be Gilgal. This has to be the place that's mentioned in the Bible. And if I'm correct, then there's another Gilgal waiting to be found uh, on the border between Benjamin and Judah. If I'm able to find another enclosure like that, I will prove scientifically 
that my theory that these are the biblical Gilgal, this will be true. And so he takes satellite footage and he looks in the area of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And at a certain point, he can't believe his eyes. He actually was able to identify another enclosure, another footprint structure. And that finally proved his theory that, uh, that, Gilgal, that these footprint structures are Gilgal. And he actually wrote a book about it. It's called The Footsteps of God. And, um, and what's interesting is that after finding this, um, and what, by the way, one of these structures is also around Joshua's altar. In other words, the Israelites, the, the reason why they built this enclosure is to sanctify a certain area versus the other places that are not holy, that are not important. This is the only place where only the high priests could go in, mm-hmm. or the, the judges or the important people. And, um, and so suddenly these insights are coming to Adam Zertal. How do you say in Hebrew, a feast? You know, Passover, mm-hmm. Sukkot, uh, uh, Pentecost, Tabernacles, these are all the three feasts. How do you call them in Hebrew in the Bible? They're called regel. Regel mean, means a foot in Hebrew. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now we understand why. When the Israelites worshipped God during those feasts, they went to the foot to worship God, okay? Ah. That was the food. Uh, another thing, how do you say a holiday in Hebrew? A holiday is a chag. Chag means in Hebrew to circle. And the footprint structures oh. have a procession road around them, which shows that the Israelites, when they came to worship their God, they went circling around the foot structure. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's amazing that we when you find an archaeological site from the time of the Bible, it doesn't just prove the Bible, it also adds more understanding yeah. to, to, to our understanding of the Bible. And, and you know, every time that, that Derek and Sharon and I, we, when we bring groups to Israel, people don't just see the Bible come alive, it gives them a better understanding of the scriptures. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, De- Deuteronomy 11.24, every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Yes. God's promise to Moses and Joshua and the Israelites. And now we've got these, this series of footprint structures across the land. And interestingly, I went and looked at a 19th century map of old city Jerusalem, the city of David and the Temple Mount. It's shaped just like that. Just like Jerusalem. a sandal, Jerusalem. like a footprint. Yes. Yes, this, this was Amazing. apparently, and, and, and Adam Zertal tried to understand why are the Israelites building these footprint structures? Where does it come from? Yeah. And uh, he went to the Egyptian culture because that's where the Israelites are coming from. And he sees that the, the foot of Pharaoh was, was a very uh, important thing in the Egyptian culture. It showed the Egyptian uh, conquest of lands. It showed... Mm-hmm. The, the control of Pharaoh over the other nations. And when you look at the book of Joshua, you see that the main theme is the Israelite conquest of Canaan. So when the Israelites are building these foot-shaped structures, what they're actually saying is, this belongs to us. Yep. Mm. This, is, this is their way of saying it belongs to God. These footprint structures are God's feet. And when we read the Bible... We see that the Bible constantly show, says that, that the earth is God's footstool. Right. Mm-hmm. This is where God mm-hmm. puts his feet. Jerusalem 
Mount Zion is the place where God puts his feet. And, and so suddenly, after you, you visit these sites and you learn about the footsteps of God, when you read the Bible, you start seeing feet over everywhere. <laughs> the word foot suddenly has, has an important meaning. And, uh, and, and again, this is thanks to Adam Zertal and his oh, amazing discoveries. How, ma- how many of these have you found? Um, Adam, Adam Zertal found a total of six feet. And if we are correct, and Jerusalem is um, another foot structure, we have There's seven. Seven. Yeah. And we know seven. that seven is an important number. And what's yeah. really, really amazing about Professor Zertal is that his legs were injured in, uh, during his military service. And so when he did these surveys, these archaeological surveys, where they literally walked across the land and recorded oh. what they saw, he had to do it with braces. Crutches. Uh, crutches. Yeah. He mm. had crutches. And he walked mm. the entire land oh. of Samaria on crutches to just make these discoveries. I cannot imagine that. I've been on crutches for a couple of weeks, and I cannot picture that. Right. Well, we're going to have you back tomorrow and discuss more. This is so exciting because I believe in the Bible. Yes. And what I've learned, and I've been to Israel many, many times. I've been in digs, and I I just love it. And it, it just seems like the more I learn about Israel, Mm -hmm. the more I learn that the Bible is real Mm -hmm. and it's being verified every day. And it's important that you as Christians know that the Bible's real. That's right. And so I'm hoping that you'll turn in again tomorrow. Amen. And uh, I'm thinking about keeping this program on the air. With shows like this, yeah. mm. not very many programs have a program like this where oh, no. you learn about how the power of the Word of God and the power of, of the reality of the Word of God. That's right. You're right. You're not going to find this anywhere else. Yeah. And that's where we're really grateful for you uh, taking our suggestion, our humble yes. suggestion, and bringing Aaron onto the oh, program. We have learned so much. And the, the three times mm-hmm. we've been back with Lipkin Tours, Every time we discover something new Mm -hmm. because of his love of archaeology, he's been willing to take us to locations that most tours do not visit. Most tours will not go to Joshua's altar or to Sisera's fortress, which was also discovered by uh, by Professor Zertal. Uh Uh, The the Gilgal, the footprint structures. Uh, We're living in a time, as you said, Pastor Jim, when knowledge is increasing. It is supernatural. For this time that we live in, God is reminding us, that ours is not a blind faith. He did not ask us to follow him blindly. The evidence is there. That's what makes the Jewish faith, the Christian faith, unique among all the religious faiths on earth. We've got the archaeological evidence. God literally spoke to humans, the Hebrew prophets, the apostles, and uh, the evidence is right there in the stones. And now here we are in the 21st century with this evidence being brought to light. Amen. I want everyone today that's been praying about becoming a dig another well (laughs) gift partner Yes. to call me right now and say, Jim, we prayed and we're going to give that $1,000 gift and we're going to help you stay on the air. We're going to help you defeat the enemy and we're going to dig another well. Yes. And uh, we're going to dig the dirt off that the enemy tried to throw at us and we're going to have victory in Jesus. Amen. And so, Amen. I, b- I believe there's a reason that the enemy fights so hard to get 
this type of broadcasting off the air. There's a reason that they do everything in their power to ensure that we are canceled, cut off, and that the mainstream of people cannot understand this message. And that is because it is the truth, it is the raw gospel, and it is what the people need to hear in this time that we live in. Thank you for your support of the PTL Network because we have the ability to broadcast shows like this without concern because we know that you, as the partner, will back us. We're believing God this month for a 1,000 people to give $1,000 to be able to, to help get us out of debt and to be able to keep us on the air. We need a miracle, and we can make a big dent on paying our debt and staying on the air. So call me right now at 1-888-988-1588 and say, Jim, I'm going to help you dig another well. Just what the Bible talks about. Let's dig out the dirt that the enemy put into our wells, and we're going to have a flowing of abundance of living water. Amen? Amen. 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 What's the number again, Lori? Just call us at 1-888-988-1588 or go to the website, jimbakershow.com. When you go to the website, by the way, you're going to see a lot of affiliate pages that we have partnered with. So many people, all, so many incredible um, partnerships right. like like Dr. Well, we Colbert. have Dr. Don. We have signal relief that we have. We have all of our Faraday stuff, all of our generator pouches, our food, everything that we offer here at the Jim Baker Show is on our affiliate program. How that works is they ship directly to you and then they support our ministry with a proceed back. Exactly. Amen. So just go to our website and uh, jimbakershow.com <laughs> and it goes directly to you. We guarantee shipping right away we do have to go now remember that god loves you he really does bye-bye for today bye-bye we love you thank you aaron thank you derek and sharon we love you guys thank you for watching today's program will you pray about standing with us by calling 1-888-988-1588 that number again is 1-888-988 1588 or you can connect with us on our website at www.jimbakershow.com thank you for your praise and financial support stand with us as we continue to preach the gospel of jesus christ around the world